0: Someone who has taken that wrath for you, and that is Jesus Christ. So worship fear is very different. The threat fear, because of Christ, can become a worship fear. This is a reverential awe that you have for the lord this is a respect a love and a trust a foundation that your life is now founded on who god is what he has done and how do i serve him how do i show gratitude for the gospel so let me put it to you this way imagine that you are part of a team of eight at work and a new ceo comes on board you find there's going to be a month of training after which only two people are going to stay Right. So day one, imagine everybody's going to show up like, whew, oh, man, how is this guy? How is this lady going to be? I, I hope I hope she's not mean. Right. I, what if I blow it? What if I say the wrong thing? What if she asks me a question and I don't know the answer to the question? Everyone has threat fear at that point. Then imagine the CEO pulls you aside and says, you're actually exactly what I'm looking for. You know, stay here for the training, but you're safe. You're one of the two. You're going to be here. Stay for the training. Learn how I work. Get to know me. Let's learn to trust each other. And imagine you're going to come, but the way that you, you, you go through that training is going to be very different. You're no longer scared. You have this reverence, right? You have this respect for the position, but you're no longer scared as the rest of the people are, right? That's the difference between a threat fear and a worship fear, right? The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. If you are in Christ this morning, this is a reverential awe. This is an understanding that above anything else in all of creation, there is no one and nothing that will have more of an impact on your life or an impact that will supersede that which is the supernatural power of the Lord in your life. So wisdom begins with a threat fear and is transformed by grace to worship fear. And now that we have that reverential respect and that awe and that trust in the Lord at the very core of our being, we can look at the world around us from a God-centered, from a theocentric perspective. So a reminder of our four points, let's jump into our first point today, which is this. You will know it when you see it. This is verses 13 and 14. And by way of reminder, who is wise and understanding among you? By his good conduct, let him show his works in the meekness of wisdom. But if you have bitter jealousy and selfish ambition in your hearts, do not boast and be false to the truth. Do you consider yourself to be wise this morning? And who in your life, when you think for a second, someone who's really wise, who comes to mind and why? So James, he, he lays down in typical James fashion, as we've learned over the course of this last four weeks, he's going to give us this topic sentence. He's going to give us a picture of what we're looking for and an illustration, and here we are. He's going to lay down kind of a rubric of what we're looking for when we're thinking about who truly has wisdom. So how do we identify it? What do we look for? Verse 13b, it says, who is wise? Here's a reminder from last week. Remember in Matthew 11... Jesus is talking to the Pharisees and the Sadducees, and he's pointing out hypocrisy and inconsistency in what they're saying. Remember, he says to them, John the Baptist came along. He was not eating and not drinking, and you said he had a demon. And he said, the son of man, me, I come along, and I'm eating and I'm drinking, and you call me a glutton and a wine-bibber. Is not wisdom justified by your children. He says, do you not see the inconsistency in your logic? There's no wisdom there. You see wisdom when there is consistency, when there is simplicity and purity. And that's what we get in the wisdom that is from above. Verse 13 says, let him show it by the conduct, by works, by meekness. Think of those things there, by our conduct, which is our way of life. By his good conduct, let him show his works to the meekness of wisdom. Not just like conduct when you think about a child behaving well for a period of time in a classroom, right? When he says conduct, it's not the Lord's not at the front of the classroom with a ruler, you know, watching how you act for a period of time. The word here being used when it says conduct is way of life. What is your bent? What is it you're pursuing? So let by your conduct your wisdom be shown with a calm temperament that is not easily provoked. This true wisdom that comes by imitating our Savior, Jesus Christ. So it says here in verse 14, it says, But if you have bitter jealousy and selfish ambition in your hearts, do not boast and be false to the truth. These are two huge categories we need to consider for a minute. Bitter jealousy and selfish ambition. So what comes to mind when you think about jealousy. So I looked up on Webster's Online. So a lot of times we think, we kind of, uh, these two words would be synonyms, jealousy and envy, but there's a difference there. There's a little difference to be considered. So this is what Webster's Online says. It says, both jealousy and envy are often used to indicate that a person is covetous of something that someone else has. But jealousy carries the particular sense of zealous vigilance and tends to be applied more exclusively to feelings of protectiveness regarding one's own advantages or attachments. In the domain of romance, it's more commonly found than envy. If you were to say, um, your salt shaker collection fills me with jealousy, most people would take it to mean um, it, it fills me with envy. But if someone makes a flirtatious comment to your partner, you would likely say, that was jealousy, right? I am jealous. I'm not envious at that point. So when it says bitter jealousy, it's talking about the wisdom of the world. So there's something that people want that is driving decisions, right? So maybe it's autonomy. Maybe it's this, de- this desire to not be told, I want to be able to make whatever decision I make, and I don't want anyone telling me different. I don't want anyone telling me that it's wrong. I don't want anyone speaking into it. There is no authority. So bitter jealousy driving your what you want in life, that is you saying, I'm going to hold on to my own you know, godhood, that I'm going to be the god of my own life. Selfish ambition being a drive to achieve a goal that's important to you. Selfish ambition is when a goal... Um, Is all about you. Maybe you have a goal in your life. It may even be a pretty good goal. But the way you're reaching it, it's just all about you. Neglecting your family, neglecting your kids, neglecting your responsibilities. Or maybe the goal itself is not Christ honoring. So there's a clear distinction between wisdom from below and wisdom from above. So you know it when you see it. The wisdom from above is what we will look at next. So look at... uh, The second point now is there has to be a better way. Looking at verse 15 and 16. This is not the wisdom that comes down from above, but is earthly, unspiritual, demonic. For where jealousy and selfish ambition exist, there will be disorder in every vile practice. If your life and your actions and your words... And deeds are fueled by jealousy and ambition, James is saying. This is not the wisdom from the Lord. And it comes from prioritizing things that don't matter and are not in line with his word. So we can tend to take on whatever is the agenda of the minute, right? Whatever the world says, says you are successful. This should be your goal, Right, Whether it's riches, whether it's relationships, whether it is a high position, whatever that is, we say that's going to be the priority and we're guiding our lives based on something that is counter to the Lord. And again, just like uh, when we talked about the tongue, James, James makes no bones about the source of earthly wisdom. He says, verse 15, this is not the wisdom that comes down from above, but is earthly, unspiritual Demonic. So we need to live in such a way as believers that we live where our speech is gracious, seasoned with salt, and we're not judgmental people. However, we need to be clear on what God's Word says, and we need to be clear with our categories, and we need to say what is the truth when the truth needs saying. So, worldly wisdom, and we're going to sit here for a moment over the next probably ten minutes to consider... Wisdom that disagrees, John would call it, in his letters in 1 John, he would call it the spirit of Antichrist. It's demonic. So listen to this. So telling children that their ancestors are animals, that's evil. James says that's demonic. It's an evil thing to do to tell a child that. Telling a young person you can change and decide your gender, it's demonic, James says. This is not a place to be soft. It's a place to to liberally apply the gospel, to speak the truth in love, yes, not judgmentally or hatefully, but call it what it is. This is demonic deception. Tell a young mom that a baby inside of her is just a clump of cells, that's demonic. It's evil. Telling a husband, man, you only live once. If you're not happy, leave your family and start over. That's demonic and evil. That is not the wisdom from above. And, you know, when you watch the proponents of any of these godless viewpoints speaking on the subject, it's generally done with cynicism and it's done with anger, and, right, that bubbles up. You can just see this hatred, right? So I took the time to watch some, some debates this week because i said you know this reminds me of some of the debates i've watched this you can see the comparison so i watched some you know christians and atheist debates right i watched uh, you know pro life and pro abortion debates things like this and again and again and again what i saw was arguments brought from reason from clear wisdom in the word of god then i saw hate in return i didn't see logic i didn't see people that were open to reason i saw blindness is what i saw i saw jealousy and selfish ambition i saw personal attacks i didn't see really debating i didn't see anyone saying cuz they, they always claim to be the ones that are wise you're believing in a fairy tale you got a you know a sky fairy that you're believing in in this book that's been handed down that's got mistakes in it but then they won't debate and handle actual issues when they speak on these topics Anger and hate and personal attacks towards people who are representing the wisdom of the Lord. Verse 15 says that. It's not the wisdom that comes from above. These are works of the flesh, and they lead to disorder and division. They go along with everything we seek to avoid as followers of Jesus. You know, um, my, my buddy Alex mentioned this in Youth this morning. These verses right here from Corinthians, it says, Now the works of the flesh are evident. Sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and things like these. I warn you, as I warned you before, that, these, that those who do these things will not inherit the kingdom of God. There is no wisdom there. That is the acting out of worldly wisdom. It's unspiritual, earthly, demonic. And that's where it leads. So, uh, I, want, I want to share this with you. Um, I went looking for, you know, you see headlines, you see tweets, and you see social media posts, and sometimes the statements, you know, trans men are men, right? Trans women are women. Um, Woman's right to choose. You see these. And a lot of times you try to tuck away the inconsistencies in people's arguments, But I found a wonderful blog post that I will share with you. Just hit me up after the service. I'll text it to you um, by Kevin DeYoung. He's an excellent pastor and preacher and theologian. He's a senior pastor at Christ Covenant Church in Matthews, North Carolina, associate professor of systematic theology, Reformed Theological Seminary in Charlotte. And he says this. Now, this will take about a minute or two to read, but stick with me. It's very helpful. He says, follow me in the following intellectual exercise. Gender is a social construct, period. At the same time, it's always good when women can break the glass ceiling. We should celebrate all firsts that we see women do because women are certainly not men. By women, of course, I mean anyone who identifies as a woman, including people we used to know as men. Sex is a socially-derived category that assigns certain physical differences and then labels those differences as male or female. There are no immutable distinctions between men and women. We are all on one spectrum. We can all change. But just remember, women have been held back by the evils of patriarchy. Women are oppressed. Men are oppressors. That's a fact. Not that women or men are anything more than fluid or culturally conditioned modes of self-identification, obviously. Still, we shouldn't do away with women's sports. It's essential that every college have as many sports for women as for men. We must have equal opportunities for both sexes, sports for women, sports for men. Those categories are absolutely critical. But if men want to participate as women in women's sports, that's also really good. Because the differences upon which the existence of men's and women's sports rests, those differences don't really exist. It's hard to say that a, what a woman is without a biologist weighing in. Not that being a man or a woman is rooted in biology. I mean, that goes without saying. Well, whatever a woman is, we know this much for sure. Women have a right to do what they want with their bodies. Reproductive freedom is the most important women's issue of our time. But... I'm not saying that only women can have babies because men can have babies too. Being a woman has many challenges. That's why it's important we protect women and make them feel safe, except in restrooms, in locker rooms, and in prisons. Then it's okay for women to feel unsafe around men because everyone knows those men are really women. It goes on, it goes on, it goes on. You can get the point. The wisdom of this world is, is, is not from above. It is earthly unspiritual, demonic. It makes you actually say to yourself, literally, what are you talking about? Do you hear this inconsistency? And the thing is, sometimes people that will tout this, tout this are brilliant people, highly educated people with, who have done respectable work in their fields. And this is where you see it's spiritual blindness. Which is why even as I presented that in a particular way, we must remember we're not blind to these inconsistencies because of grace. Because of Jesus Christ. We must be quick to point it out, but we must speak the truth in love. Because what do we have that we've not been given? So you see this logic, the wisdom that is revealed when people base their worldview on the whims of other people, an anthropocentric worldview, there's no consistency and there cannot be. So every statement I just read to you feels really righteous in and of itself to a person who's trying to live in this humanistic, people-first worldview and they can't see that they disagree with themselves and now if you don't affirm each one of these contradictory statements as well as any statement that'll come along tomorrow based on whoever has the loudest voice on social media you should be counsel- uh, you should be canceled right you don't understand science you know you're simpleton you live in flyover country whatever it is you want to say but you don't know true wisdom You know, the devil started this way in the garden, didn't he? Has God said? Genesis chapter 3. It's been the trick from the beginning. God has spoken on an issue. The enemy comes along and says, is that really what he said? And even presents himself in all of these topics, right? To find your true identity, to just live in a way that you'll finally find peace within yourself. Hey, I'm on your side. I don't know why he's got all these rules for you. But listen, I just want to show you, you don't have to live in this way. You don't have to live with the gender you were born with. You don't have to have this baby. You don't have to stay with that husband that you're tired of. That's what the devil whispers in your ear. And so many people are blind to the truth of God's word. They claim to be wise, and in so doing, they become fools. Romans 1, 22 and 23. It says, claiming to be wise, they became fools and exchanged the glory of the immortal God for images resembling mortal man and birds and animals and creeping things. But the light shined in the darkness and the darkness cannot overcome it, we read in the first chapter of John. And so point two was there has to be a better way. There's obviously a problem. But point three is this. I'm glad you said that. There is a better way. Look at verse 17. But the wisdom from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, open to reason, full of mercy and good fruits, impartial and sincere. You know, people are searching and they're broken and they're hurting. And the better way has always been there. Every new generation tries to rebuild, tries to build their tower, right, to the heavens, make a name for themselves, but the wisdom has been there. In our tiny little finite brains, we think we know better, and we know a better way. Even in our own idolatry, in our own hearts, there's that one compartment in our lives where we say, well, I can, you know, I know better here, right? It's certainly, it's okay if I think this way on this, or if I do this, or if I desire this, or if I live for this, right, in every generation, but Proverbs... 8.22, wisdom being personified here and speaking, says the Lord possessed me at the beginning of his work, the first of his acts of old. Ages ago I was set up. At the first, before the beginning of the earth, when there were no depths, I was brought forth. This is wisdom. When there were no springs abounding with water, before the mountains had been shaped, before the hills, I was brought forth. This story is so much bigger than any one of us. Any one of the sins that we struggle with, any one of our identity issues and problems, any one of the things that we are trying to get out from under this story is so much bigger than us. It's theocentric. It starts and ends with God, not with us. Verse 17, it says, But the wisdom from above is pure then peaceable, gentle, open to reason, full of mercy and good fruits, impartial and sincere. That open to reason is huge, right? I have my mind made up and I will not hear. It's just like it's what I saw in those debates this week. It doesn't matter if I give you a, a point, if I give you something plain as day, I will not hear it. And think about that as a person who would be wise. When, you, when you're in an argument with somebody and someone finally lays something on you and says, I don't think you're understanding the issue. Here's the point. There's something in you that wants to keep fighting. Oh, but I still, I don't want to be wrong, even though you've been deflated. Oh, I am literally wrong. But our flesh doesn't want to stop, right? I remember back 100 years ago, I was working in collections. And I called, while I was in my training, I called somebody and the person was very mean to me. And kept saying, I don't want whatever you're selling. I don't want whatever you're selling. So I went through my training. I said, sir, this is the first of three warnings. And if you continue to be belligerent, I will have to disconnect the call. He's like, wonderful, disconnect the call, right? And so second time, third time. Finally, I said, sir, I'm in collections at filling the company here. I said, you have never been late on a payment ever. And you're late, and I don't want your credit to be ruined. He said, oh. I had no idea. Why, thank you for calling. (laughs) Can I pay that now? (laughs) Right? Open to reason. Listen, a preconception can be changed if you're open, if you're humble, if you approach things with a humble spirit, a teachable spirit, whether you're being trained at work, whether you're in a class at school, right? That thing where you want the teacher to know, I already know the answer to that. Just take a deep breath and be the student in life. (laughs) Learn from the Lord. Learn from the people God has put around you be open to learn. What is it about our flesh that wants to be like this omni-competent person to the people around us? What is that? We don't want anyone to know. We don't want know the answer to that question or we forgot to do that thing, right? We don't want to be vulnerable. We don't want to be humble. We want to be seen as the one who knows the answers, Right? Jesus said of the Pharisees, they, they love the greetings in the marketplace. Right? They love to be seen a certain way and that heart just carries generation to generation. So our final point is this. Get wisdom. And so in Proverbs 4-7, remember we talked about last summer the fact that James really parallels Proverbs 1 through 9 and the Sermon on the Mount. So you notice we've we've kind of interacted with those texts every week because there's there's definitely parallels there. So Proverbs 4-7, it says the beginning of wisdom is this. He say, How do I get wisdom? The beginning of wisdom is this. Get wisdom. I love that sentence in scripture, right? The beginning of wisdom is this, get wisdom. The fear of the Lord. Proverbs 9, is the beginning of wisdom. You remember I said last week that the best place for you to be spiritually is to be in Christ, right? The second best place to be spiritually, at least to admit and to understand, to know that you are not in Christ. Here's that shown in Scripture. You know, there are those who are so calloused and hard-hearted that they don't even care, right? Psalm 36, 1 through 4, it says this, Transgression speaks to the wicked. Listen, deep in his heart, there is no fear of God before his eyes. That's a dangerous place to be. He flatters himself in his own eyes. His iniquity cannot be found out and hated. The words of his mouth are trouble and deceit. He has ceased to act wisely and do good. He plots trouble while on his bed. He sets himself in a way that is not good. He does not reject evil. This is a dangerous heart to have. I'm not in Christ. I don't affirm I need anything. And there is no fear of God. There's no threat fear, right, which leads to a running to the cross that graciously becomes a worship fear. There's none of that. There's just none of it. Ooh, that is a dead heart. And you know, there's two kinds, I, I got to thinking later this week, there's two kinds of hearts that can have no fear of God before their eyes. One, there's the one that could care less. So the one that could say, you know, I don't believe any of this. The kind of people that the more you talk to them, it's, they, they'll, with their hearts, they're saying, there is no God, and I hate him, and I hate his followers, right? That's kind of the way they live. But at the same time, there can. I was seven, I prayed the prayer, I walked the aisle, and that's the last time I thought about Jesus. Now I'm 57 years old. Well, tell me about your love for Jesus. Oh, no, 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 no. I'm not religious. I'm not trying to, like, be one of these nuts or anything. I'm just saying I'm not going to hell because I prayed this prayer, right? There's no fear of God there either. There's no threat fear. You feel like, well, I already did that. I prayed a prayer. I walked to aisle. I cried. I got some goosebumps. Right? But there's no worship fear there. It's deception. Right? It's a dangerous place to be, to not know that you are not in Christ. The wisdom from above is first pure and then peaceable, gentle, open to reason, full of mercy and good fruits, impartial and sincere. Wisdom, you see, is perfectly demonstrated in Jesus Christ. Think about those things I just said. Pure, peaceable, gentle, open to reason, full of mercy and good fruits, impartial and sincere, right? The wisdom is perfectly embodied in our Savior, Jesus Christ. And the Lord says, if anyone lacks wisdom, right? James 1, let him ask. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. You see, if you want this wisdom, you can't just ask for the wisdom. You have to understand where the wisdom comes from. If you don't have Christ this morning, be honest with yourself. If you've just always been a church person, there's plenty of people in that boat. And I'm not one of those that's going to say, and now really question yourself, question your salvation. No, you know, we want to have assurance of our salvation before the Lord. But if you don't see those fruits and it doesn't even bother you, that's a category you should be concerned with. Or if you're here this morning and you're just listening, God bless you and I'm so glad you're here. But consider, what does it mean to follow Jesus? First, you need the gift of threat fear. You need to realize that outside of Christ, outside of Jesus Christ, every single human being is born with a sin nature, conceived with a sin nature. And there's nothing we can do about it. And very rightfully so, you're separated from a holy God You deserve to spend eternity in a very real place called hell. However, God, being rich in mercy, sent Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ lived a perfect life that you and I could never live. He died a death on the cross that so you and I deserve to die. And three days later, conquering sin and death and the grave, he rose again and says, come to me, repent of your sins, follow me. I'll give you a new heart. I'll turn that heart of stone into a heart of flesh. Sprinkle living water onto that heart. You'll be a new person, right? And then these fruits will start budding and start to show themselves in your life as you walk with Him, as you pursue your Savior, pureness and peacefulness, gentleness, open to reason, full of mercy, you'll look back after a year and go, I don't even know this guy anymore. I didn't care before. I didn't even like church people, but I love Jesus. That's what we're looking for. That's wisdom. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. And finally, verse 18 says this, and a harvest of righteousness is sown in peace by those who make peace. Someone who loves Jesus, someone who has true wisdom that is from above, loves righteousness, loves the things that are good. loves to see other people doing well and flourishing and growing in Christ's likeness. Transgression speaks to the wicked deep in his heart. There is no fear of God before his eyes. But the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom and the knowledge of the Holy One is inside. If you want to talk to somebody about what it means to follow Jesus, we'll be here after the service. Would love to talk. Answer your questions. And talk about what it means to be a follower of Christ, to be born again into the family of God. Let's pray together. Lord God, you are good and you are great. You are holy, you are worthy, you are unchanging, and you are wonderful, Lord. I pray now. Um, the gospel is out there, Lord, and your, your word says that your word never returns void, Lord. I pray that it'll do his work, that people will be convicted, Lord, to grow in Christ that even if it's your will, that someone here this morning would become a follower of Jesus Christ, brought from death to life, from enmity with God to the family of God for your glory. And I pray now as we sing, let it be done out of gratitude for who you are and all you have done. Worship is the response of a redeemed heart to who God is, to all he has done. We affirm that truth. Let that be the fuel of our singing now as we glorify you with it. In Jesus' name, amen.